For the past several Sundays, we've been trying to understand the Bible, which is what we should be doing all the time, isn't it? But uh, that's the name of the series right now is Understanding the Bible. We've looked at several things in the past, but today what we're going to be looking at is dominion or authority and where it is. And uh, we're going to be looking at some of the uh, misunderstandings. And this passage is one of those where it's kind of surprising that it's missed, but it is. And the classical way of looking at this leaves something out. And this is what I really want to talk to you about today. When Satan tempted Jesus, Jesus responded with scripture every time. He responded with God's word. And uh, the thing is, it says in Luke 4, 6, and the devil said to him, all this authority I will give to you and their glory, for this has been given over to me and I give it to whomever I wish. So who gave this authority to Satan? Well, we know Adam and Eve did because God had given them dominion. In Genesis, uh, the first chapter, because the 28th verse, and notice he gave it to them, not just to Adam. He gave it to Adam and Eve. And in this inclusive time in society and culture, we need to be aware of that. That uh, uh, anyway, it's to both Adam and Eve. So then God blessed them. That's Adam and Eve. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Now listen, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on earth. God gave Adam and Eve dominion over the whole of the earth. Some people say that's why in our hearts we have the longing to go places that have been unexplored, to just climb up to the top of the highest mountain. We want still, because of that uh, image of God within us and the innate uh, granting of dominion to us. We were created initially to have dominion over the earth. And that longing is still there because we were created with it. And so God gives dominion to Adam and Eve. Then Adam and Eve handed over to the enemy when they sin. And then Satan says to Jesus, I have all the authority. I have dominion and I can give it to whomever I want. Now, I want you to notice Jesus didn't argue with him about that. He just responds with God's word. But before the ascension, after the resurrection, Jesus gives the great commission. And in the great commission, listen to what he says. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority, that is all dominion, has been given to me on heaven and in earth. 
Now, this is uh, uh, important for all of us to understand. We don't have to wait for the second coming of Jesus to have our authority restored. He got it back on that first Easter. Something happened on the first Easter day. That day, the day he arose on resurrection day, something happened that shifted dominion from Satan to Jesus. And some people want to think that it was just his dying on the cross. But the Bible shows us that there's more to it than that. And that's what we're going to be looking into. Now, many people never see this, but I want to show you something this morning that you've probably never noticed, and it'll bring a little bit different understanding to you of uh, the chapters in John, John 14, 15, and 16. In John 14, 15, and 16, we find the conversation that Jesus had with his disciples just before he went to the cross. And in that uh, time that he's with them, he tells them, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, also believe in me. And then he says that wonderful, beautiful verse, in my father's house are many mansions. Now, there's only two versions, only two translations that use the word mansion. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, uh, but it's that's the New King James Version and the Old King James Version. Now, it means the the Greek word means dwelling place. And so literally where my father dwells, there are many dwelling places. And then he says, if it were not so, I would have told you and I go to prepare a place for you. And he says in verses one and two, I have to go to prepare a place for you. Now, some people read uh, this verse and they think that because of the read this, they think that Jesus is up there in heaven right now running some sort of a construction company. Uh, and every time somebody is saved, there's this great rejoicing in heaven. And then they all have to say, well, let's get back to work. We've got another mansion to build. And then they have to go out and uh, they're going to. And, and some people think that it's just taking him a long time and he's not going to come back until he gets all the mansions completed. But the thing is, that's not what's going on here. He says, in my father's house are many mansions, are many rooms, are present tense, already in place back there 2,000 years ago. All those dwelling places, all those rooms were ready back then. He said, and I go to prepare one for you. And he's not talking about just making up the bed and fluffing up the pillows for you. He's talking about something much more important than that. They uh, Now, as soon as he gets all the mansions done, some people think that's when the second coming is going to happen. And they think that's it's just a construction issue. And that as soon as they're all done, boom, he's coming back. No, but uh, some of my favorite hymns. My favorite Christian songs embrace 
this whole idea of a mansion. And it's a beautiful one. It's a glorious one. And I love it. I love, I own a mansion just over the hilltop. I love that hymn. I also love when we all get to heaven. It's got, we talk about mansions there. My favorite of all is mansion builder by the second chapter of Acts. I'm just going to, I'm not going to try to sing it for you. I wish I could sing because if you've never listened to it, listen to the second chapter of Acts, chapter of Acts, sing it sometime. Gorgeous, but the words are gorgeous. I've been told that there are those who will learn how to fly. And I've been told that there are those who will never die. And I've been told that there are stars that will never lose their shine. And that there is a morning star who knows my mind. So why should I worry? And why should I fret? Because I've got a mansion builder who ain't through with me yet. And I'm going to skip the rest of the choruses. And I've been told that there's a crystal lake in the sky. And every tear from my eyes is saved when I cry. And I've been told that there'll come a time when the sun will cease to shine. And that there is a morning star who knows my mind. So why should I worry? Why should I fret? Because I've got a mansion builder and he ain't through with me yet. My favorite hymn. And yes, we have a mansion builder, but he had all those mansions ready before he even showed up here. So the problem is he isn't talking about the second coming here. Those mansions Those dwelling places, those rooms are already in place. They were already in place when he showed up here uh, on earth. In John 14, he's talking about uh, going to the cross to prepare a place for you. He's talking about dying to prepare a place for you. He's talking about descending into hell to prepare a place for you. He's talking about his death and his resurrection. Your mansion is ready. Your room is ready. He tells us it's ready, but I have to go and pay for your deed. I have to go ahead and make arrangements so it the ownership will be yours. Your room is ready, but I have to go and pay the price for your stay. He says, I'm going away, but I'm, I'm coming back. Now watch this. If you love me, you would rejoice because I say, I am going to the Father. So I have to go and prepare a place for you so that you can have a relationship with the Father. You don't have that place yet, he tells the disciples. You don't have a relationship with him yet. He says, he is with you. He will be in you. Talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, uh, this is important for my father is greater than I. 
Now, verse 29 is the key to know what he's talking about, that he's talking about his death and resurrection and not the second coming when he talks about going away and coming back. Listen to verse 29. It says, and now I have told you before it comes so that when it does come to pass, you may believe. Now, no one is going to have a problem believing after the second coming. Not even atheists are going to have a problem believing after the second coming. Because it says at that time, at the second coming, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. So he's talking about something else besides his second coming. He's talking about a time much closer. In John 16, 16, he says, a little while. He doesn't say 2,000 years from now, 2,500. He says, a little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while and you will see me because I go to the Father. In just a few hours, he's talking about here, he's going to be delivered over to the scribes and the Pharisees for trial. And then three days later, he's going to rise again. And it makes a lot more sense for him to say a little while if he's talking about the resurrection instead of the second coming. Do you see that? He's talking about something much closer at hand. He's talking to his disciples back then at that moment. And he tells them, I have to go away. I have to fix something. Because you can't have a relationship with the Father until I go and do this. But I'm going to come back. But I've got to go take care of this and then I'll be back. I'll see you later. Now, let's go on to Resurrection Day. In John 20, the 14th chapter, it says, Now, when she had said this, talking about Mary, uh, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. She, supposing him to be the gardener, said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I'll take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. Now, now he does something that opens her eyes, and all of a sudden she can understand who she's talking to. So she turned and said, Rabboni, which means teacher. Watch this, though. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me. Now, this word cling is a Greek word, and it's in the Bible 36 times. Uh, I, I double checked it yesterday. And in the authorized version, it's always referred to as touch. It's never translated cling. We hear cling and we picture her just hanging on to his legs and not going to let him go. But that's not what he's saying. He's saying, don't touch me. Don't touch me. It's uh, never translated cling anywhere else except right here. It's the same word where the woman said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, it'll, I'll, I'll be made whole. It's also a word that can mean to light a candle. And when you light a candle, you don't cling to the candle, you touch it. 
and hopefully it'll light and stay lit, right? Okay, but uh, it's not, you don't, it's not, it doesn't mean cling. It means to touch, to touch. And so it wasn't hold on to, it's touch. And Jesus turned around and he used the very same word. It says in uh, talking about the woman touching the hem of the garment. After she touches the hem of his garment, he says, who clung to me? No, he says, who touched me? The disciples said, Lord, a whole bunch of people are, have been touching you. And you say, who touched me? And both times it uses the word, that same word. He said, he said, somebody touched me. And that's the same word. Okay, so here's what he's actually saying. He's telling her, don't touch me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. Don't touch me, for I haven't ascended to my father. Now, again, we understand that 40 days later, we celebrate the ascension whenever he goes back to heaven. But I'm telling you, something happened on the resurrection day that we miss and we need to catch because it changes everything. Listen, does your Bible say that he says, I have not yet ascended to my father? Yes, it does, doesn't it? And it doesn't say, don't touch me. Yeah, it does. Then he says, he tells him, but go to my brethren. Those thick-headed guys, those guys that are kind of dense, they're having a little bit of problem with this. Go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending. Did he say, I'm going to ascend after I spent 40 days with you? He says, I am ascending right now. Again, present tense. Look at that present tense. I am ascending right now. Don't touch me for I haven't yet ascended my father, but go and tell my brothers that I am ascending. I am ascending to my father and your father to my God and to your God. And now I want to narrow this down just a little bit. Then the same day, verse 19, that evening. So where's he been all day? We see him at the beginning of the day and he sees Mary and he says, don't touch me. And now then it's the evening. Where's he been all day? It doesn't tell us, does it? Or does it? Maybe it does and we just haven't seen it yet. Okay, so let's move on. That same day at evening. So we saw that uh, I have not yet ascended to my father, but then I am ascending right now. You go tell them. And then that same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be unto you. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And by the way, just a few days later, short time later, he's going to show Thomas and he's going to say, touch me. Stick your finger right here, Thomas. Stick your finger right here. Touch me. Don't touch me. I have not yet ascended. And now he's saying, 
Look at here. Touch me right here. Something happened. He said what was going to happen, didn't he? He said, I'm going to ascend. Go tell my brothers I'm ascending. He was gone all day, but now he's back and he's showing them his hands and his side. And later on, he's going to say, stretch your hand here. Now, let me paraphrase uh, uh, this. Uh, he, he says, touch me that morning. Don't touch me. I haven't sent to the father yet. He says to Thomas, touch me. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them, peace be to you. Now, I love this. Well, he says, as the father has sent me, he's been in the presence of the father all day. That's where he was. As the father has sent me, so I send you. I also send you. Don't be troubled. It's going to be a little while, just a few days, guys. But I've got to go get it right for you so that you can dwell with the father because you can't have a relationship with the father yet. But I'm going to go to the father and I'm going to make it right. I'll present myself as a sin offering. He sees Mary and he says, don't touch me. I haven't gone to the father yet. I haven't ascended to the father yet. Then he says, you can touch me now. I told you uh, this before it happened. And so uh, that whenever it did happen, you'd believe it. So now here's a verse that we missed in Hebrews 9, 12. It says, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place. That's where the father is. He entered the most holy place once for all. It's the most holy place. And I want to look at more at that in just a second. And you should get very excited whenever you hear these words. Having obtained eternal redemption. Having obtained eternal redemption. So Ephesians then tells us that he first descended to the lower parts of the earth. He descended, and that's during the three days he was in the tomb. He walks up to the devil, and uh, just to kind of paraphrase this, he walks up to the devil and says, give me those keys, I'm taking it back. And that's why he can say in the book of Revelation, I am the resurrection and the life. And I hold the keys of hell and death. He took them back that day. And so whenever he's walking around with the disciples for the next 40 days, they really don't have any idea who they're with then. Wow. The one who holds the keys, the, the keys to, to hell and death. He says, that at that time he led captivity captive. And that's referring to the Old Testament saints that we were talking about this past week. They weren't in torment. They were in uh, paradise. But paradise at that time was in Sheol. But then whenever he ascended, he led captivity captive. They were in a place of waiting, waiting for him and for what he did on the cross for them. Now, wouldn't it be cool if somewhere in the Bible there was a verse-by-verse -verse description of what happened 
between Sunday morning and Sunday night? Well, there is. And it's in an interesting place. Uh, that whenever Jesus entered the presence of the Father, it would be so cool if we could see that. The, then it's there. It's in the book of Daniel. So I want to show you something in the book of Daniel. But before I show you that, I have to show you a scripture in John. We start with John 14. In John 12, Jesus made this statement. Now, he says, now, not in 2000 years. Now, back then, whenever he was standing there making the statement, right now is the judgment of this world. Now, the ruler of this world will be cast out. Now, and here's what he's saying. Guys, I'm getting ready to go take it back. What we gave Adam and Eve, what they lost, I'm taking it back legally. And I'm taking it back. And, and so here's what happened in Daniel 7, 9. If you want to follow along with me, a beautiful passage. I watched until the thrones were put in place. Where are those thrones? Be? See, things are being prepared for an extremely momentous moment. This isn't uh, in, the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the place where we see God seated all the time in other places. This is, this is a, the holy of holies, the holiest of all places. Things are set up and gotten ready for this moment. Now, this may send chills up your spine as you listen, listen to this. And the ancient of days was seated. You talk about pomp and circumstance. The ancient of days, God the Father is seated. He comes in and he takes his seat. Wow. Where did Jesus say he was going? He said he was going to the Father. And this is the Father, the ancient of days. It says his garment was white as snow. I could just, it's just hard to imagine the majesty and just the awe of that moment. And, uh, and it says, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame. Its wheels, a burning fire, a fiery steam or stream issued and came forth before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. If you don't like numbers, I was going to tell you, that's a million. Okay. 10,000 times 10,000, that's a hundred million, stood before him. That's a lot of people. The court was seated and the books, plural, were opened. Now, this is why we think that it's Revelation, because there's a judgment seat coming. And there's a great white throne judgment coming. But Jesus said, now is the judgment of this world. And so there was a judgment uh, that took place on resurrection day. I watched then because of the sound of the pompous words, which the horn was speaking. I watched till the beast was slain and its body destroyed and given to the burning flame. All right, so... We, 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 people will say, okay, see the beast, that's in Revelation. Well, what was destroyed on Resurrection Day 2,000 years ago was sin. 
the beast of sin was destroyed. Okay, now watch this. Sin was destroyed. As for the rest of the beasts, and there were four altogether, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season. See, dominion is taken away. So here's what I'm trying to tell you. Satan is lying to you. He had his dominion taken away 2,000 years ago. And yet his life has been prolonged for a season and a time. But he has no more dominion. Authority has been taken from him. Now, Jesus coming to the fathers, uh, it says, I was watching in the night vision and behold, one like the son of man. This is in Daniel. One like the son of man coming in the clouds of heaven. Now, I told you a moment ago, who did he take to heaven with him on that day? He took the saints, all those who had believed before that day. He took them with him. And if you'll look, it's still lined out the Old Testament saints. Hebrews 11 lists what we call the Heroes Hall of Faith. We looked at that last week. It lists all the Old Testament saints and Hebrews 12.1 calls them that great cloud of witnesses. I saw the Son of Man coming and he had the clouds with him, it says. The clouds of heaven with him, like that great cloud of witnesses with him. Uh, he came to the ancient of days. So the Son comes before the ancient of days. And they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. This is on resurrection day. That all peoples, all and peoples, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, the one which shall never be destroyed. Now that happened 2,000 years ago when Jesus said to Mary, don't touch me because I haven't gone uh, into the most holy place and offered myself. Two more verses, Daniel 7, 21, 22. I was watching and the same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them until the ancient of days came in and a judgment was made in favor of the saints. In favor of the saints. Here's what happened 2,000 years ago. The Ancient of Days walked in, the judge. He looked at Satan on one side. He looked at the saints on the other. And then he looked at the bloody, bruised, battered, beaten body of his son. And he said, Satan... You lose. Saints, you win. Now, you're saints over here, too. I didn't mean to be pointing at y'all. You're saints, too. Okay. Saints, you win. I'm telling you, Satan doesn't have dominion over you anymore. And we don't have to wait until the second coming. Because of the resurrection, when we step into Christ... 
we step into his authority, his dominion. He has all, remember what he said as he gave the great commission? All authority is given to me. We saw today where it was given to him. And then he tells his disciples, go now into all the world and teach them. Bring them on to my kingdom. It's mine now. I bought it with a price. I bought you with a price. Jesus has dominion. He's not going to get it one day in the future. He got it all back there 2,000 years ago on the cross. And he entered into heaven on that Easter day and presented himself as a sacrifice for our sins. God gave Jesus a name above all names. And no matter what you're going through today, Jesus has dominion in your life. And I want to encourage you, don't listen to the enemy. He's a liar, he's a thief, and he's a fraud. Jesus has dominion in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. 